0: everyone. This is The Basement
1: Girls. I'm Steph Grossman. And I'm Bianca Bettis. We are a horror and whatnot podcast that covers film and literature across the genre. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and in today's episode, we have a special guest, Bryce Jeter, who will be um, kind of talking with us about the two Suspidias, um, which one was a um, original from 1977 that they remade in 2018. And uh, it's the two sides.
0: <sighs> <laughs> we both died at the same time. so that it, Perfect. Yeah. Also, Bryce. Before you start talking, I just want to say you have the hottest name. I've like I love your name. Like I've I've literally made a list of like Loving. hot names for guys, and Bryce is on the list.
2: Are you serious? Yeah, sort of got
0: Bryce, Bryce is, is a pretty list. hot name. It's a hot name. Mm-hmm.
2: I. I have never heard that from anyone on planet earth. And I remember just like some autoethnography here. Like when I was a kid, I fucking hated my name. I thought it was so stupid. And because like, I thought all the cool kids, all the cool guys, at least they were like Jason and Michael and like, you know, Chad and stuff like that yeah, Ryan. And I never heard of Bryce anywhere. And I was like, what the fuck is this name? And I remember I would always ask my mom. I'm like, uh, my original name was supposed to be Chase.
0: Mm, Another hot name.
2: I dated a Chase once actually. (laughs) Um, At the very last minute, my mom heard Bryce somewhere and was like, that's it. And uh, it took me a really long time actually to get accustomed to my name. And like, even to this day, I still don't really know if I like the sound of it. And like, I play around with how I stylize it and writing like, do I like Bryce Jeter or do I like Bryce M. Jeter or do I like, do I want to go by my middle name? I don't know. I still have a very weird relationship with my name. I just don't know many Bryce's and there's something about, for me, the way it rolls off my tongue. It feels really like clunky and I don't know. I don't know, but God bless you, girl. Your initials <laughs> are you. BJ.
1: No, yeah. yeah just like just want I mean, to throw that out there. Just want to throw that out
2: there.
1: For the for the audience there. For the so audience. BJ, who are you, BJ?
2: BJ <laughs> BJ, yes. I'm the I'm the special guest. Oh my God. Um am, am I the protagonist? A main
1: character moment over here,
2: yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got some some big protagonist (laughs) energy. So me, um, well, you guys know me because we're grad students together. um, But I am a literature student. And I if I were to pick an area that I'm super fabulously interested in, it would be queer theory and queer studies and literature and, and media. I, I've always been a huge horror fan since I was a kid. And um it was it's kind of been in the in the last semester of grad school or so that I've really developed this newfound interest of marrying queer theory and queer studies with spatial studies and horror studies. Mm. Um because i'm i'm from a very small rural town in texas and and i never really thought about the space that i was in as something to be feared or something that was scary like i just kind of always felt uneasiness in it but i never really took a step back to observe why that was and um I remember in class, in my uh, TA class, we were discussing horror, and we were discussing the difference between terror and horror, and what the difference is, and how horror is something that is kind of cheap. It's like a jump scare. It's like in your face. But terror is something that can't really be defined. It's maybe a little bit intangible. And I really started to think about that with queerness and space, and thinking about, you know, how much are queer people or just really minority folks in general in spaces where there is something that is putting them at dis-ease that they can't really put their finger on, that they can't really see. Um, it's not as obvious, but there is a fear there. Mm. Um, and so I've, I've always, I'm, I'm developing this interest in that, um, fun fact. Um, I was in a, a horror, get together group called the butch scream queens it was me and a gaggle of gays (laughs) and we would get together once a month and a murder of gays and we would get together and we would watch a horror movie and we would just get drunk and commentate it was basically like mystery science theater 3000 but gay (laughs) and really drunk Um, so shout out butch scream queens Um, so I've always had a I've always had a love for horror but you know, I'm always, I'm always working on something queer. I'm, um, next month I'll be in Albuquerque presenting at, at the Southwest Popular and American Culture Association conference. And I'm actually presenting, um, a, a paper on anti-queer and colonialist rhetoric and Madonna's music. Oh my gosh, So, oh, Uh, so, uh, cause it doesn't get gayer <laughs> than that so
1: gay 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 uh, gay gay is all i uh,
2: just just gay <laughs> i mean can you just hear the dicks falling out of my
1: mouth <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> is that what that was that came out of your mouth was that what that was that's what that was
2: uh, i mean i'm sorry if i i'm sorry if i sound a little forced it's just all the balls i'm choking on over there. <laughs> 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 but not to bore anyone to tears, but that's it. That's that's kind of me in a nutshell. This
0: is perfect to have you on for this too, because Suspiria is a bit of a, definitely as a queer on it's subtext. Which I'm sure you'll get
2: in. Gay. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Gay.
2: I mean, but also too, I I think, and I, I I love exploring this idea of I feel like queer people. Are naturally very attracted to horror for some reason. And I also think specifically queer men, and I think queer I think queer people in general. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna narrow it down to men. I think queer people in general are very attracted to witches. But There's something sure. about being a pariah, being an outcast, but being so empowered in yourself and having this power in yourself and other over over other people—that I think just really resonates with queer people. And also, I mean, they're just like fierce as fuck. Can I cuss on this?
1: Yeah, I've I mean, been talking about oh, that's balls. That's true. And I've Dick, been talking Bryce.
2: about <laughs> Hello. Yeah.
0: What? Are... <laughs> <laughs> I always mark our our episodes as explicit. So, you know, we're good. We're not (laughs) clean Okay, perfect.
2: This is explicit, kids. Um, Yeah, I think think witches are just kind of really fierce. And I think, you know, from a very young age, like, I always really loved picture books or movies or anything about witches. There was always something about them I really liked. And as I got older and, and started having conversations with other queer people um, ab- about horror in the genre, it, it, it there was always this kinship and then especially a kinship about an attraction to witches specifically. Yeah.
1: I think the queer community does kind of see themselves like reflected in that. Cause you know, it's, it's witches, it's like possession. It's like all these things that are on the, like the underbelly of society But I think that they see themselves in that narrative. Absolutely. Totally. I love that you're also pouring yourself another glass of wine. I love it.
2: Just, she's gone. Bye-bye. This bottle it's empty. <laughs> I I drink this whole bottle today. Wait, tap
1: the empty bottle again. <laughs> Ooh, ASMR, yes, ASMR. You do that? Yeah.
2: Oh, I love ASMR videos. Y'all watch them?
1: Mm-hmm. Duh. Okay, now gag on it. Just kidding. <laughs>
2: Um <laughs> so I'm going to demonstrate.
1: <laughs> he did start to put the bottle
0: in his mouth. Yes.
2: <laughs> I have a very sensitive gag
0: reflex.
2: <laughs> She doesn't like to be triggered. Mm. <laughs>
0: Um, so maybe like, uh, I mean, that was a great segue to Suspiria, but right before that, um, Bianca, did you want to say anything that you're working on or anything like that? Or, or should we just get right
1: into Suspiria? I don't have anything new to report for myself. I've I've done nothing. (laughs) I mean, I think, I think the only thing is that, yeah, like right now I'm working on my manuscript. It's due to my... Hey-o. to my mentor next Wednesday. It's all set and ready to be shipped off. Um, so that's really just all I'm working with right now. Yeah. Yeah, same here.
0: I'm just working on my novel and my thesis and hoping I'm not ready to ship it dress. off yet. So, perfect. But I'm excited for this. I'm glad that we actually had the time to come back and do another episode of Basement Girls and have Bryce on. So I was calling our little chat to prepare for this uh basement girls and boy.
2: It could be a basement girl. Basement girls. Oh, basement <laughs> girls.
0: <Hell laughs> With yeah. a Z or something.
2: Basement <laughs> <girls>. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you know, I'm just so glad that we were, you know because we 'cause we've we've had a lot of time in between this and our previous episode. So it's been a while. Um but ho- we're hoping to get back into the swing of things once we graduate and get our theses out of at least me mm-hmm. i think Bianca's always much on, more on top of stuff than i am so she's ready <laughs> ready to go all the time i just want to talk all the time <laughs> and I'm <just> like, well, <laughs> you can just take over the podcast and d- you can do without me it's okay
2: <laughs> bianca's that was, got big top energy <laughs> the big top. yeah
0: absolutely absolutely <laughs> um but yeah maybe bryce do you want to tell us, so you started talking about, um, you know, your connection to witches growing up and that a lot of other queer people also have felt that what was your connection to Suspiria and everything? Cause this topic was your idea to begin with. So what, how did you come across Suspiria?
2: So I came across Suspiria when I was a, a kid and I remember very specifically, um, like In the days before like cable TV menus, before like when you could actually scroll through a menu and choose your television show when you just had to classically channel surf. Um, I remember I was watching TV really late at night once and I came across Asperia. And I remember specifically the scene that it was on was the scene in the original film where Susie and Sarah are in the swimming pool. Mm. And they're kind of just like whispering to each other about what they think is going on. And I just remember as a kid, I I was already being very slowly introduced to the genre of horror, but I just remember thinking at that time that this was unlike anything I had ever seen before in horror. It just was so visually striking to me. And um, and then I, I remember kind of like jumping between channels because I, I think I got this feeling of like, I don't know if I should be watching this. Hmm. And then I got, and then I, I came back to it and I specifically remember the scene where Susie, um, she, she finds the secret hmm. passage behind the irises Mm. irises irises i don't know (laughs) and she's in and it's that hallway that's black and it kind of has that gold kind of like calligraphy um decoration on it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like this movie is so fucking weird, but I thought it was just so cool to look at. And again, I had no idea what I was watching and I had no way of knowing what I was watching. And I, I just remember thinking like, well, that was really cool. I, I really have no idea what that was. And then I, when I got older, I and I, and I was really sort of broadening my exposure to horror and, and different horror films and different subsets of the genre. I, I came across Asperia and I watched it. And I remember as I was watching it, I was like, Oh my God, mm. this is that movie. It's like come back to me. And I, I just was obsessed with the movie. I mean, I thought it was just so. I thought it was so visually arresting. I thought the the soundtrack was unlike anything I had heard before. I, I just really, I, and I, I still to this day, really think that, uh, like the original Suspiria, I think is really just in a league of its own as far as horror is concerned. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I just really instantly fell in love with it, and it was really. Um, the first horror film, or I think really film in general, that I came to feel really precious about. And like what I mean by that is, I remember, I can always recall when there was that boom in Hollywood of like, let's remake all the horror classics. And I felt like it kind of started with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then we had Rob Zombie's Halloween. And then we had Friday the 13th, The Nightmare on Elm Street, blah, blah, blah. And I remember when those were happening like, fans would just get such in a tizzy about it. And they oh, my God, how can you remake Texas Chainsaw? How can you remake Halloween, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, who the fuck cares? I mean, just, like, remake it. I don't know. And then when I found out that they were doing a remake of Suspiria, like, for the mm-hmm. first time, I was like, oh, I get it. Like, I I don't want this to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't touch the original. Like, it's it's like sacred ground in a way. Um, and I kind of eased into the thought, the more information that was released about it, like when I found out Luca Guadagnino was directing it, um, I became a little bit more enthusiastic. I I really loved A Bigger Splash and I loved Call Me By Your Names. I was like, I was like, okay, you know, I think this film is in really good hands here. Um, and then I saw the trailer and I was like, bitch, okay, like, I think we have a -hmm, quality mm -hmm. film here on our hands. I mean, come on now um and so I I I feel like my relationship with it has really just stemmed from childhood it was kind of like this movie that I accidentally stumbled upon and then it came back to me in a really random way and I just really fell in love with it and it's been one of those movies that like if anyone asks me for a recommendation of a horror movie, I'm always like, have you seen Suspiria? Like you need to see Suspiria. If if I'm dating somebody, inevitably there always comes a point where I introduce them to Suspiria. It's just like one of those movies for me that I'm like, if you're in my life in some way, I'm going to let you know about it. Or I'm going to like personally introduce you to it. And I was really excited to do this particular episode um, to compare the two. Um, and. I was really, I was really interested to watch them back to back. So a little bit more of a sidebar. (laughs) I'm just going to keep talking here. But like six years ago, I went to a double feature showing of Alien and Aliens at the Alamo Draft House. And I remember going into it like, oh, I'm really excited to watch this. But like, I love Aliens. Like, that's my favorite. And then when I watched them side by side, I was like, oh, actually, I think I like Alien more. And so... I had never watched the original Suspiria and the remake side by side, but I went into this project like with a preconceived notion of like with alien, like I had, I went into it with a preconceived notion of which one was my favorite. And then I was like, I wonder if watching them side by side again is going to like change it's going to influence how I feel about them. And it didn't plot twist. Mm-hmm. Um, my feelings remain the same. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into like what we think about the two compared to each other.
0: Well, my I guess my question with that is, Bryce, which one? So when you recommend it, are you recommending the original usually or the remake? So what when you went in, what was your favorite? And then what has remained your favorite?
2: Okay. So when I went into this, um, my favorite was always the remake which i kind of feel like when i would tell people that it was a controversial opinion like i would i would tell that to some people and they would be like what like there's no way like there's no way this can be better than the original and then watching them side by side my opinion remains the same like i i prefer the original I, i prefer the remake i'm sorry I prefer the remake over the original however i think it's I don't know. I still always recommend people to see the original just because I do think it is just such a landmark film in a way. Like I said earlier, I don't yeah. really think there's anything like it. And I think it's really, I think people should watch it. And I think they should get an introduction to that style.
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say that it, it kind of takes a certain kind of, I don't know, I feel like the types of people that I know that have watched this film before they are like of a certain cloth. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they are really into film. Like, they are not necessarily pretentious about it, but they're very like passionate about film mm-hmm. and about like just cinematography in general. Um, so there's not a lot of people that I, you know, know that, that, um, that have watched the film before or have like any strong opinion about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like any, all the other movies I feel like we've talked about, I, you know, knew about Suspedia from my brother who we've had on the podcast before.
2: Um,
1: and yeah, he, we watched the, I believe the remake first and then like maybe like months or maybe like years later, um, I found the original on my own, I believe. Um, but I'm of the same opinion, Bryce. I think that definitely the original is there's nothing like it. And I don't think that's ever seen a movie like it before. Um, but I think when you watch them together or like back to back, like Steph and I did together, um the remake is just like it's better. I mean it really is.
2: It's better. Like I hate to it's break better. it to you, it's but better. it's better. <laughs> like, you know, it just is. And and I even think too, like talking about how there's nothing like it, I i, I don't know if you guys have gone and watched other Daria Argento films. But I think even in the canon of his specific work, I don't think there's even anything like it in his specific work. I mean, I've seen a lot of his films and I I mean, they're good, they're entertaining. But Suspiria was the first one. And so I went into his other films anticipating them to be like Suspiria and they just weren't. And so to a degree, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was kind of a letdown. I mean, while they still have they still hold their own in a way, but I even think within the scope of his own filmography, Suspiria is is it it stands on its own. There's nothing like it even in his own work.
0: Yeah. This was my first exposure to any Dario Argento um and and exposure also to Suspiria at all. I, I think I'd heard of suspiria and i remember did you get
2: any symptoms
0: did i get any symptoms like dancing symptoms <laughs> did I, I did it your first exposure i did actually yeah my oh that oh that's it i thought you were like did you get any symptoms from watching suspiria
2: <laughs> it's a pandemic yeah, joke that, that was
0: a good joke i just some dumb <laughs> yeah um well, I'm gonna say that I loved the original. No, I'm just kidding. I love the remake. <laughs> so we're all in agreement. Okay, here.
2: so we're all yeah. in agreement. We're the three mothers. Hello. Yeah, we're the three mothers.
0: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I think at Bianca's Halloween party this past year, you had like clips of Suspiria, or you had Suspiria playing in the background. Yes. Um, and so like the 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 sorry, not the original, the 2018 version. Yeah. So that was the only time where I was like, what is this? But we weren't, I wasn't really watching it because I was like drinking and <laughs> eating um, and talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I would just like turn and see like, oh my God, this person's completely disfigured the old and being <laughs> mm-hmm. punched in the face by an invisible entity. And then suddenly, wow, there's a very, very old, very ugly lady, you know? <laughs> like, so um, like my first ex- exposure to it was the, you know, just random like images from it uh, while I'm in the middle of drinking, you know,
2: just like these vignettes of mm-hmm. it.
0: And then preparing for this episode, we watched them, you know, back to back. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, and then the, or, the original, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I really like the remake a lot more too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And we can definitely go into like the narrative too.
2: You, you just hit it. I was in it. I, I can sort of think of a reason why I think specifically the three of us would gravitate more toward the remake. And I think you just nailed it with the narrative. I think, you know, the three of us are English students and we're writers and we're readers. And so I think just, there is more of a narrative with the remake. Also, I think to a degree, the fact that there is more narrative is both its blessing and its curse.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing that Steph and I immediately, once we started the original, um, because we know we watched the remake first and then the original after the remake, um, and the original is just the the world just seems a little bit bigger right it's it's a co-ed ballet school so there's a lot more characters involved there's just a lot more people Mm -hmm. on the screen um and it's just like i don't know it just seems like a like it's more colorful like it just seems bigger and then the the remake i mean there's as far as screen time right there's only like maybe four characters that get like a lot of screen time the narrative is way more succinct, way more concise. There's not a lot going on um, visually as well, so it's less overwhelming. Um, it's much more bleak, more like, you know, uh, more muted tones. Um, so that's immediately what Steph and I kind of talked about.
0: We also talked about the the dubbing that the original – like, uh, immediately we start watching the original yeah. and we're like, Their what?
1: Their mouths are different than what they're saying. Did we get the wrong version? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do i get the wrong question <laughs> um so full disclosure i watched both of these high on inedible um I mean... which i recommend i mean these were great great movies on inedible <laughs> absolutely i mean um yeah i was on like i was really high on like a delta 9 and those just like really work my pussy out and I <laughs> I was like manically scribbling notes on a notepad with the original one I was like in bed like fully on my back with like a notepad on my chest and I was like just like in like huge letters it was <laughs> like I was writing like a ransom note um but I, that was one of the things I said I was like what the fuck are they talking about <laughs> like I the part that I love the most and like My best friend and I will quote this to each other sometimes is like when the girl runs away from the school in the beginning (laughs) and she goes to her friend's apartment and she's like, it was so fantastic. And then and then, like, when Susie is first going into the locker room, I don't know where this bitch comes from, but there's that girl that like she slinks up on the doorframe and she's like, Miss Danner, (laughs) I need to tell you something. And you never really find out what that yeah. something is or why, but she is just there. She's like, I need to tell you something. <laughs> and it's just like all the dubbing is just so strange. And I'm like, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. It's just fucking it's nuts. Yeah. Well, when
0: I when I looked into it, apparently, because I immediately I like paused the movie and I was like, what is going You know, what is going on? Let's figure this out. And then it very quick <laughs> Google search, it became apparent that like back then. 1977 that that was like really common like in the Italian cinema in particular to like just dub automatically so like the dubbing is not because it was filmed in an original you know originally in Italian or even German where it takes place right, right? it's like filmed um, just with actually everybody speaking in their own native tongue so some of them are speaking English and then dubbing English. And then other people are speaking Italian and then being dubbed with English and apparently apparently the Italian version uh of this like you know Susie, the woman that plays Susie. She didn't speak Italian, so she couldn't dub herself (laughs) for the Italian. And apparently Dario Argento was very upset about that because he liked her voice. That makes
1: me wonder, too, because I feel like a lot of the acting in the original, like, there's not a lot going on with their eyes. And I'm like, I wonder if it's because they were, like, speaking to somebody that, like, just didn't understand what they were saying in real life, you know, like, in reality.
2: (laughs) It's like ABBA. Like, you know, ABBA didn't know what the fuck they were saying when they were speaking. <laughs> this is basically just like the horror version of ABBA.
1: The the horror version of ABBA. There it is, everybody.
2: We can all go home now. I need to tell you something. <laughs>
0: Well, one of the things that blows my mind, though, is that you look at, and this kind of goes back to what you guys were saying about the, you know, certain types of people will like the original versus, you know, certain types of people might like the new one. Um, but it blows my mind because on Rotten Tomatoes, like the original has like a 90% critic rating. Yes. And, the, and the new one has like a 60 or 50%. Yes. It was panned. And they were going to do a sequel to the uh or they were they were seeing how it would do in the box office and Uh apparently it like completely you know that's horrible completely bombed and that's why they're not doing Uh, a sequel but it's like blows my mind because i'm like it's so good how could this have been bad yeah
2: it's so fucking good well there are sequels to the original
0: which is not half as good but for at the yeah, anyways, <laughs> it just it just makes me mad.
2: <laughs> i didn't I didn't know that they were wanting to do a sequel, and I actually saw the remake in in a theater. Um, so I'm probably one of like the ten people that gave it any money. Oh. Um, and I remember I remember seeing it. I was living in Seattle at the time, and I saw it in a very small theater. And what's what's actually really interesting now that I think about it and we're on the topic is I remember being very surprised because everybody in the theater was, like, very clearly gay.
0: Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah.
2: And I I, I, I went on, like, a Saturday afternoon or something, and I was like, I'm probably going to be the only person in this theater. And, I mean, there were a good, like, a, a spattering of people, but I remember being like, everyone in this theater is totally gay. And... I mean, I think that just proves our point that we were talking about earlier about this this natural attraction to to horror and to witches. But I mean, yeah, and I remember also feeling like it should have been a big deal because it was Dakota Johnson and everyone knew her from Fifty Shades of Grey and it was Luca Guadagnino who just had so much success with call me by your name. And it was Amazon who probably has the biggest budget in the world to do anything that they want. And I remember thinking like, this should be a bigger deal. Like, I don't understand. And so when I would talk to people about it, um, they were like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, really? I don't, I I don't know. I always, but I get it. Cause like I was, I felt like I was continually surprised at how little people knew about it. So uh, but I, I'm with you Steph. Like I was shocked. I remember. Cause I, I regularly go to rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. and I remember when it came out, I was shocked at its rating. I was like, I, I thought it was a surefire. Like people are going to fucking love this film. This is going to be like a 90% on rotten tomatoes. And when I saw like, yeah, I think it's at like 60 or 62%. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I'm wondering I'm wondering if it's because it is a remake. Like I wonder if it came out without there being an original at all. Like how it would have done just on its own. Probably better.
2: But also I'm gonna flip I'm gonna flip that on you because it also came out the same year as the Halloween reboot came out and people went busted a nut critically. And if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, that Halloween remake has like an eighty percent. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Cause I didn't even like that remake either. <laughs>
2: It was fine, um, but I I don't know. I, I really can't, I don't know what people are not getting about this movie. Like, I don't know what movie they watch, but it seems to be a different one than I watched. Yeah,
0: it seemed to be that when I was looking it up, and I, I didn't do a ton of looking into this, but it seemed like the critics for the new Suspiria were saying basically like, oh, there's like too much stuff with berlin and the setting and like all that and that it's not really relevant and i feel like it's completely relevant um and also just interesting you know absolutely Um, i think a lot of them didn't love the like the frame story with the doctor and stuff like that um but again you compare that to the original which has like almost no story really it's just kind of like like i've found at least that when i go back to old movies they they all have this problem right they all tend to have this issue of like oh, okay we're gonna do something like really interesting and, and all this stuff but then like when you watch it now decades later you're like oh there's not like this this plot makes no sense it's all over the place right yeah, exactly like the biggest the biggest thing well I don't know I feel like I'm jumping all over but the biggest thing f- for me with like the original Suspiria is is that this girl just, like, shows up at this school, which I, I get, that happens.
2: Just shows the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, and
0: just shows the fuck up. And then just when her <laughs> friend goes missing, all of a sudden she just ends up at this random college talking to a professor who, about witches. And, you know, yeah, it makes no sense as to how or why she would have known that guy.
2: And she was, and she was kind of a denier of it, too. Like, if you remember, like, when Sarah is, like, like kind of spiraling. She's just like, I got to eat my chicken and drink my wine. Um, and then all <laughs> of a sudden the guy is like, yeah, witches. And she's like, sold it's witches. Yeah. Um, but I totally, I, I agree with you stuff because the thing is, is like um, about, about the Berlin. And I actually do feel like that is really essential because I, I remember always kind of feeling this way about the original, but I had never really given it too much thought as I was like, well, okay, it's a coven of witches, but you never actually really see them do witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And you right. never really understand why they're there or, you know, why they chose a ballet school. And I, you know, one of my attractions to Suspiria is I, I really love the subterfuge of having something so dark being buried underneath something that's really sort of very daint, damp- like kind of, dainty and beautiful like ballet you know underneath Mm. the surface of all that beauty and that delicacy like there is something very dark brewing and I felt like what giving the story about Berlin did it was like it gave a cover to this operation of the coven and you actually got to see this coven in operation you got to see them do some fucking witchcraft and so when Patricia, for instance, in the, the roommate goes missing, it's the perfect alibi. Oh, yeah. oh well, she, you know, she was in, she was involved with the rebels, right, you know, exactly. so she must have been kidnapped. I don't know what to tell you. And so it, I, I thought that it was perfect. I thought it was like, oh, okay. Like we kind of get a sense of why they're operating. Like they're feeding off of these girls and then they're using what's going on in the world as sort of like their cover. And also, I I kind of, I, I agree and I don't agree about including so much of a storyline with, um, with the Doctor. And I often, whenever I watch the remake, I often always wonder like wh- how different the movie would be if his character was taken out of it completely. Because I honestly think, you could probably do the whole movie without him. If you took him out, I mean, it would be way shorter, but I think you could do it without him. Yeah. But at the same time, the character of Susie is so different yeah. because in the original one, she's just this like innocent little lamb that's, you know, in the forest. And she and she finds out about this evil plot and she manages to run away. She's just the final girl. But in the remake, that script is flipped and she ends up being Mother Suspiria. Now what works about the original one is that we are there along with her as like spectators of like, we don't really know what's going on either. You know, this is where we're innocent. We're innocent and naive too. But that doesn't work with her being Mother Suspiria because mm-hmm. she figures it out eventually. And like, we as an audience have to be innocent to that. Like the the twist at the end has to be a twist. And I think the way to make that work is to be introduced to this world through the doctor because he is innocent. He is a skeptic. He is a denier. And so he goes into it with those questions of, like, what is going on? Is is this girl fucking crazy? Or is what she's saying, does it have some merit? And so I think that's what helps make the twist of the Susie character so effective is because it's really the doctor who I think introduces us to this world and, like, really helps us understand what's going on with it because our first exposure, our first knowledge of this school and the fact that there might be witches is that opening scene of him with Patricia. It's not with Susie, like the fir- like the original one does for us. So he's kind of the one that leads us into it as potential skeptics, potentially like, yeah, we do know what's going on. And so I think expanding on his narrative works in a way. Um, because it, it it just helps us.
1: Yeah, and there is that like I mean the it, doc the doctor does intersect with Susie at the end of the remake, and I think that's kind of also I don't know I feel like I there was some like then some sympathy to Susie as you know Mother Suspiria just because you know yeah. she says that like I think beautiful line she's like oh like we feed on sorrow and guilt but we just don't need yours or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like yeah, he he is the innocent one. Like he is meant to kind of be, um, like a a placeholder for the audience, and you know we're supposed to kind of, um, like we're supposed to fear her, right? But in that moment, there's something like just so forgiving about her character as Mother Suspiria, and I thought that was really powerful. It all like his narrative just made sense at to me at, at that, that point. point, you know,
0: yeah, um. I, I also think that it, it you're right, Bryce, going back to what you're saying about that, it you know, initially having the doctor, being a skeptic, and also being a, a psychologist slash psychiatrist in particular, right? Mm. Like, it, it does start, mm. it starts us off with that question right away of like, is this all in her head? Or is this real? Um, and that is mm. like, right. essential to I think almost all ho- horror is this, I- this idea of like, is this really happening? Well, not, I guess, all psychological horror, should I should say. Um, almost everything is based in that, in that. And the original does that, too, but just in a very different way. Um, and actually, I was thinking about mm. how with the Doctor, like, at the end, like, Bianca, you're mentioning at the end w- in the new version that we sort of see this, like, more sympathetic side of who we would think would be evil. Mother Suspiria, Suspiria right? Like, a evil... You know, witch and that they need people's, they need to hurt people in order to get power. Um, but I have like, like one of, one of the few quotes that I grabbed from the original was like the, all the stuff about witches and everything. Um, but one of the things that this like random doctor that Susie in the original just suddenly talks to, um, he starts explaining mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, witches are uh, malefic, negative, and uh, destructive. Their knowledge of the art of the occult gives them tremendous powers. They can change the course of events and people's lives through harm. You don't believe me? Their goal is to accumulate great personal wealth. It can only be achieved by injury to others. They can cause suffering, sickness, and even death of those who have, for whatever reason, offended them. Why do you have all this interest in the occult? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, I'm just interested. So, but I think like maybe that like twist at the end, like is sort of playing with what was set out in what was given uh, to us in the original, the original is basically like all witches are bad. You know, we need to kill them all. Um, And then, you know, there's that smile at the end from um, Susie. Like once she's like out, she literally like walks out the door after she's like destroyed all the witches and stuff. And the whole like building is crumbling down. She walks out and then there's this like relief, this smile of relief at the end. Whereas in the uh, remake, Like, we find out that our main character, our hero, is, like, the witch. And then Mm. we see, like, oh, actually, she's kind of good, actually. Like, she kind of kills off anyone who, all the other people that were causing injury to all these other, to to people. And and that were, you know, harming others for their own power and their own gain. So, I think it turns it on its head, for sure, and is playing with the, that idea of all, all we
2: need to kill all witches or something. It's it's the classic question: Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Yeah. And she said, and she said, <laughs> "Girl, I'm a good
0: witch. <laughs> I'm a bad bitch." Bianca is a bad she, witch. She though. made
2: some. She made some heads pop in that fine in that ending scene. Mm-hmm.
0: That was a good ending scene. Ugh. That was really good. Well, maybe I don't know. Should we talk about the original a little bit more and like? you know, what maybe some of its merits are. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the color and also are there seeds planted in the original that then maybe we see come to fruition in the remake?
2: That's the thing. Oh, no. Okay. Lost it. Oh, you, whoa. No. You, were,
0: <laughs> you seemed like about to go. You're about to go in.
1: You're about to go hard I was, in
2: there. right? I started to hear, I heard you say something and I was like, got it and then you like finish the sentence i was like no that's not what I was say. oh no <laughs> um but i yes color style okay one thing that i wrote in my my manic <laughs> uh high scribbles <laughs> Was about the the stylistic choice, to learn, especially in the set design. I was like, "Who the fuck hired the set designer? I like, <laughs> was it someone's nephew or niece, and they needed a summer job?" I felt like I was in some gay interior design students, like Palm Springs acid trip. I
1: was <laughs> like, "What the fuck am I looking?" Right? At? There was like velvet on the
2: walls and shit. Yes. It was like tacky, but also like kind of fierce. I was like, I'm here for it, but this is tacky as fuck. <laughs> it was so weird.
1: Yeah, extremely tacky, extremely like just
0: campy in general. Right? Or was it just 70s? I feel like everything in the 70s was that way. <laughs>
2: but but I kind of got this I think this movie and I, I but you you related it to like Snow White. Yes. Um and I I, I think that's true, but at the same time, I would say this is really more of, like, an Alice in Wonderland story, and it's really this kind of girl who, like, falls down a rabbit hole into this world that she has no idea, like, what the fuck is happening around her, and I kind of feel like that's where those stylistic choices come from, it's like, this is kind of like a wonderland in a world where, or wonderland Mm -hmm. in a way where like nothing really seems to go together or make sense. And even if you go back and you look at details, like, like the door handles in their Mm -hmm. dorm, like the door handles are really high. Like she actually has to reach up to turn the door handle. And it's, it's sort of this like perfect image of you know, like Alice, like she's shrinking and the world is so much bigger oh, than her. I and, love or, that. And like she's kind of childlike and she's in this world that it's like so hard to get through and everything is like so much bigger and it doesn't make sense and it's out of proportion to her. Um, and so like while I was watching it high off my ass, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, who designed this shit? This is like, this is bananas. But then at the same time, I was like, I think that's like- I I like I have to feel like this is a deliberate choice, and and where I go with that is that I think it lends itself to this like Wonderland idea of like what the fuck is going on? Like none of this makes sense.
1: Mm. And in the other in the other Argento um, films, because I haven't seen any other ones, um, is it the same? Like does he do a lot with color in that way? No,
2: one? not not at all. That's what I'm saying. Of like even in his own body of work I mean I think there is that sort of like grandiose feeling to it um Mm. where it's almost operatic in a way Mm. like I I think of Suspiria as like an opera on film like I I I actually think you could do this movie on stage like it it just Mm. kind of that that realm um that medium but it's it's really not like his other feel his other films. I just I don't feel like they're as experimental or as balls to the wall when it comes to it comes to the use of color or it comes to the use of score or angles or or the cinematography in general. Like this one is just like it is it is a trip.
0: Actually, one of the I was looking at comments from critics like at the time on the original. Um, And there were a couple where that I thought were really funny, like one was saying that, you know, with Mm -hmm. all the colored lights and the peculiar camera angles, it would be impolite not to be a little frightened, (laughs) like impolite if you're not. Then the other one was saying uh, that there it's a movie that only makes sense to the eye, which I'm like, that covers it that it's like we like it. Visually, yeah, but like, but everything, else, yeah, everything else are just like, oh eh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, here is what it reminds me of: is I once went to a, <gasps> I once went to a bathhouse, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a, there was a glory hole maze.
1: Oh, and- oh my gosh, you told us about this already. Wait, yes, please. Our listeners need to hear this. Please Can I tell do. you about
2: it at Kirby Lane?
1: You literally told us this story at Kirby Lane, like the perfect place to tell us this story.
2: Okay, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Okay, so I went to, I went to a bathhouse once and there was a room that was a glory home. <laughs> so it was literally a maze <laughs> in the middle of a room with holes cut out. For dicks, <laughs> and the entire room was red, like Soviet red, <laughs> and the walls of the maze were black. And I just, and you know, it's a bathhouse, so they've got like weird fucking music playing, and there's noises of people doing God knows what. It sounds like they're dying, um, <laughs> but they're really, they're really just doing glory whole bathhouse thing. And uh, we were just talking about like it's impolite not to be frightened, like. I, I don't know why, but that took me back to that gory home maze, and I was like, <laughs> I feel like it's impolite not to be frightened. It was fucking scary. I was like, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a red room, and they're just like, I don't know where I am. I don't like mazes. I need to get out of here. And they're just like dicks popping out at me at all corners. <laughs> that was that was my version of Suspiria.
0: My thought is, w- wouldn't it be impolite not to like touch one of the dicks?
1: Yeah, would it be impolite not to just suck one off a little bit? You know,
2: I. <sighs> it's like boop it you know boop it uh i get that you know but i think it just depends on your mood i think at that time (laughs) i i was a little scared (laughs) i was it's kind of just it's kind of (laughs) disorienting i was like i was here for something else i didn't come here for this this maze of dicks like (laughs) i said this is the best vending machine in town i just came for some snacks (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) okay Uh, well speaking of dicks one of my favorite scenes (laughs) okay no no like seriously though one of my favorite scenes great stuff in the the new Mm -hmm. version of suspiria is when
2: i was like i don't know what the fuck she's gonna say (laughs) it's
0: completely relevant um so they oh my favorite it's my favorite thing so basically these uh police officers after the doctor has like figured out that his patient went missing. And he thinks that maybe the teachers at the school had something to do with it. It's dance school. He uh, asked these police officers to check it out. And so then these police officers come and immediately the, you know, the witches like sort of put them under some sort of spell. Uh, And then it's sort of through Susie and her friend, Sarah, that we, they are investigating behind the walls and stuff. And they find this like separate room and then Susie, so Sarah doesn't know this, but Susie goes and like looks behind like a bookcase or something, and sees this secret room <laughs> where they have one of the police officers just standing there, stark naked, and they're they, <laughs> and the witches are just like poking his piggy, dick, piggy, like piggy. with their beep 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 beep,
2: like <laughs> with a little hook, with a little
0: hook. They have a little hook, in there. and I thought, oh god, they're gonna they're gonna you know take it, Drop off. it off, yeah. Chop it off, you know or what? What is it called when, um, when you eunuch? Well, or castration? Castration, yes.
2: That's the ball. Yeah, oh,
0: okay. So yeah, eunuch. Then, but
2: a eunuch is like a dismembered man.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: But I, I remember this. I remember the same thing because that scene followed the the scene where Olga gets fucking pretzled, yeah. in the the <laughs> room of the room of mirrors, yeah, which. Honey, come on now. Let me tell you, I was not ready for that scene. No,
1: that was an amazing, that's one of my favorite scenes because it's so
2: grotesque. Let's just get into that.
1: Let's get into it.
2: I, I was not ready, not ready. No, And I feel like I can watch some stuff. Like I, I can do the suspension of disbelief and I can say like this is this is not real. I think the one scene even today in a horror film that still that still really bothers me that I don't want to watch is in the first hostile film where the guy gets his Achilles oh. heels clipped. Yes. Like that's yes. I don't fuck with that. But and I I just remember like that scene started and it kind of I don't want to say starts innocently because it's not, but it starts in, as far as horror is concerned, it's rather benign. Like her arm kind of gets twisted and you're like, oh, okay. Um, And then shit just escalates. And it was kind of, and I remember sitting in the theater like, oh shit. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, this scene can't go on for very long, right? Like they'll just, it'll cut. And then it just kept going and going, <laughs> and I finally got to a point I think where she pissed herself.
1: <laughs> and I yeah, like, that's the part. Yeah, man,
2: I had to shield my eyes, and I, I even as I shielded my eyes, I was sitting there thinking, any any second now it's going to be over, and it just kept going and going and going, and I I think I have finally gotten to a point where I can watch it in in its totality without shielding my eyes, but. I think it's probably one of the most disturbing scenes in a film I've ever seen. And that scene with the police officers follows it. So after that, I was like, all bets are off. I don't know what they're going to do with that little dick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That little flaccid dick. Well, also, because that, I feel like that Olga scene in the mirror, like, I feel like that happens within the first, like, 30 minutes of the film. Like, it happens very early on.
0: Yeah. And I feel like nothing else in the movie and this is like to the film's credit nothing else is as over the top as that and so i feel like it it sort of messes with you because you think like oh god you know we're off to the races now but like actually it still stays up like a pretty quiet movie and even at the end like it it gets gruesome but not in not in such a personal way the way that like it's such it's so personal the way that that girl gets pretzeled
2: i because I remember thinking after that scene, I was like, OK, we've been we've just got two more hours of shit just like this. And I I think exactly like you said, I think it's to the film's credit because it filled me as an audience member with a sense of dread that it was like every scene we went into that that I could tell was being set up as a kind of that you could kind of tell was like, OK, this is a murder scene or someone's about to get off or something that I was like, like, I, I just like, I tense like my, like talk about dicks. Like my dick would <laughs> shrink up inside me. Cause I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is coming. Like after that scene, I don't know what's coming after that. Like all, all bets were off. Um, like that was, that was truly disturbing.
0: <laughs> and the thing I love about the dick Scene is that Susie. <laughs> we
2: need to unpack this.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's unpack the let's dick here.
2: Out. There are two dicks in this movie.
0: Wait, where? What's the other one? What's the other dick?
2: Because the oh, doctor, doctor in the end, they show his. his oh, little I forgot thing. about
0: that. Yeah, yeah.
2: H- his little chang, chang His chang chang. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the thing I love about the dick scene is that you see Susie like see it happen yes right and right. then she just yeah. laughs right like laughs silently to herself yeah, she's not, right? bothered, she's by not bothered and i f- and at first i thought oh is it because she's mennonite because that's the other aspect of the new film that kind of like brings a more actual like storyline is that she starts out as this mennonite girl from and, and there's a difference between the mennonite and the amish like i think it's that the the Amish are more strict about technology than the Mennonites are. The Mennonites are like, we want a little bit of technology. And then the Amish are like, none. Um,
2: the Mennonites want to order on Amazon. Right, right. And the <laughs> they want to order like, oh. on
0: Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so Susie just like, she has this draw to dance. And um, and also particularly the thing that I find really cool about the remake is that it's this draw, not to ballet, but to modern dance, which is so perfect for like witchy stuff and creepy because yeah. modern dance is creepy. like yes. you're
1: all over the floor.
2: It's kind yeah, of. No rules. It's a lot
1: more like bodily.
2: And I, I think even too, when you watch that when they finally do the performance of Volk, it's like a seance. Yes. It's like a spell and i and even if you look at the 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 way that they design the floor and there's this like very brief scene i think it's with tanner and she's like putting the tape on the floor or something and it's like that silver tape it's kind of pentagrammy
1: oh for sure yeah it's
2: it's like what they're doing is this dichotomy of like dance is witchcraft in the sense that it's conjuring something for this coven but at the same time it's kind of witchcraft just as an art form it's a ritual it's a dance and it is it's ritualistic and and that's what i that's what i really love about the remake is they just find these ways to use what's there and to like make sense for the coven and like in the original they just you know, they're, they're ballerinas and that's it.
0: And we never even really see them dance ballet. No, there's that
2: one scene where she's just kind of like dancing and she's like, Oh, I'm tired. I'm going (laughs) to pass out. And I'm like, and I'm like, girl, it's not that hard. I could do that. (laughs) And, um, but then with this one, it's like the dance is actually, is like what fuels this coven. And I mean, you see that with, you know, there's that character where, it's like, Oh, her jumps aren't high enough. And it's like, you come over here and like, we're going to have you teach her the jumps. And she, and it's like, you can just tell it's like, Oh shit. Like there's just these elements about them. It's like, they're, they're building themselves off of these women. And it's like this, the dance and especially that final performance is it's like a final conjuring or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, it makes me think too, you know, with like, cause then, you know, since I was thinking about the inspiration behind just the story in general and it being mm-hmm. from like a poem mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. Um, and then you talking Bryce about it being like this evoking, you know, the dancing kind of evoke something mm-hmm. out of them. It's making me think a lot of like Lorcas, uh, like the theory of Duende and like, just in like dance or uh, poetry or anything that has to deal with like the body in any sort of way and like the soul. Um, his theory is that it does conjure up like a, like a duende, like another being that lives inside of us that is then evoked by like a strong, passionate feeling. Um, and I think that's like a lot in like just talked about in the, like in the art world is like, Oh, um, I don't know. I just felt like something took over me and I just like started doing my thing or like, Oh yeah. I was, I started dancing. I just decided to take my shoes. off. Possession. Possession. Right. There's like that or that like sense there. So that's something like, like a shadow side of yourself has taken over. And I think that, um, you know, in Susie's character, that's definitely like the reality. Like there's something inside of her that's been living there. And now, being in this like coven has yeah just well, what brought does she it out. Say? You know, she says
0: something about how she feels when she's dancing, right? When when Tilda Swinton's character asks her,
1: yeah, where Madame Blanc is like, oh, like what did it, what did it feel like? And then she's like, oh, I imagine it feels like when you fuck. And then Madame Blanc's like, oh, like when you fuck a man. And Susie's character is like, no, I was actually thinking about an animal. <laughs>
0: I think and she I meant like, like the one fu- animal <laughs> fuck, but which is like completely completely raw and primal. Yeah. But then that, that brings me back to her Mennonite stuff because that's why at first that's why I thought she was like smiling in that scene where they're poking where the witches are poking um the at the police officers. I was like, okay, well maybe she doesn't she's never seen a dick before. She's never really been exposed to sex. Like maybe she thinks it's funny and I, not um- cruel because she's Mennonite, right? And then at the end, you find out that she's Mother Suspiria, and it's like, oh, it's because she was just like laughing about it because she's Mother Suspiria, and like, look at this dumb thing that these witches who I'm gonna kill eventually are doing. She's
1: like, oh, my daughters, look at them being silly.
2: She's Like, look at these <laughs> dumb witches.
0: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, sorry, Bryce. I interrupted
2: No, it's okay. You. What I was in, and that kind of to piggyback off that is like I think that really shows that art really in any form whether it's dance or whether it's writing poetry or writing fiction or theater or what have you it can be like your own magic power and it can be that thing that really helps you feel very self possessed and what i what i really like about the remake that i noted in my manic high scribbling <laughs> is that there's always this like communication in the eyes between other characters like there's always these subtle glances of like are you seeing this are you thinking what I'm thinking and even in the scene and it's what I love about this movie is it's one of those movies where it kind of begs you to watch it again and again before and like in the scene where um Olga quits and Susie's like well I'll dance the protagonist and Tilda Swenton's like, you just fucking got here. And like, we've been rehearsing this for 10 months. There was like a look on Susie's face where she's like, bitch, I got this. You know? And it's like, it's like this communication of like, I know that this is my power. Like, you don't even fucking know the power that I have. And this is a power that through this dance and like through the energy of this coven, I'm going to come to fully realize. And not only that, I'm going to come into like full form. And I just really love that, that I think it really speaks to how art and just somebody's, somebody's passion and what they do and how they perform or what they put out into the world uh, creatively. I mean, that's like, that's somebody's superpower in a way that is their magic power. Yeah. And when you get people together, like us, like here we are together, we're like a small coven. We're like, putting our energy together (laughs) to produce this. I mean, this is like our seance. And then it's like, you know, in this film, these women get together and they dance and like, that's their superpower. That is like what they do. That's how they embolden themselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to the origins of Argento, Dario Argento's like inspiration, like Bianca was talking about how it comes originally from a poem or like a series of prose poems called Suspiria De Profundis. Uh, So I looked all this up beforehand, obviously, uh, by Thomas De Quincey. Um, And apparently Thomas De Quincey, speaking of being high, Bryce, Thomas De Quincey was high on like opium while writing all of these, like this huge, huge series of prose poems, some of which have gone missing So there's like this list that was found of like titles and like most of the pieces have been found, but not all of them. And the rumor is that maybe he like accidentally lit them on fire because apparently he was always writing by candlelight and would sometimes light his hair on fire, sometimes (laughs) accidentally light his papers on fire while he's like high on opium. (laughs) Um, So definitely like a lot had to occur in order for this stuff to get out in the world. But it was published in like 1845. And then weirdly, in 1977, like that's when, you know, Dario Argento had like read S- Suspiria uh, de Profundis, And then weirdly, there's some other thing that came out in 1977. Um, let's see. Oh, shoot. I have to find it back here. Um, it also inspired Fritz, uh, Fritz Lieber's novel Our Lady of Darkness. Um, so I feel like something weird was going on in 77. But given the, you know, what were they doing? LSD.
2: Oh, like LSD. Yeah, doing
0: given the L S D stuff. Like, that's why like, you know, it's like the, the the original like material was inspired by drugs and this idea of like being high on a certain power and then like the movie sort of embodies that. And I think that's to me like the like the fact that he came up Argento like came up with this idea just from reading some like frenzied Series of prose poems is kind of cool. The the yeah. three mothers and like what are their names? There there's like, uh Mater Tenebrarum, mother of darkness. Mater Lacrimarum, mother of tears. Mater Suspiriorum, mother of sighs. Right. It's just like random things that that come out of that prose poem that like again speak to that power that like art has because that it was written in 1845, you know, and then in 1977 it inspires. This film that apparently everyone besides us like absolutely loves, like, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes people give it the nine, 90, <laughs> whatever, but it's still what is like, it, it, it's kind of amazing how that, how something like that inspires a horror
2: movie, you know? I think the same thing um, is if you've ever seen Pumpkinhead, Mm-mm. um, no. Um, Pumpkinhead I think actually has the same origins. It was like this folk poem huh. and then a whole like like horror franchise has been developed just from this like poem and I I remember googling it once and reading it and I mean on paper it's quite a benign poem. It's you know it's I, I guess sort of like a Krampus kind of tale, maybe like a cautionary kind of tale in a way um but you watch the film and you're kind of like, they got that from that, like, okay, pop
1: mm-hmm. off. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do wanted to I wanted to read the the quote um, that I have here, like that is the direct inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just read it off here. So it says, um, "These are the sorrows, and they are three in number, as the graces are three who dress man's life with beauty." The Parco, I'm going to say, are three who weave the dark eras of man's life in their mysterious loom. Because I don't know. I feel, too, like three, the the number three is very magical also. Um, I mean, there's like the three witches in Shakespeare, right? Mm, the three graces. Mm-hmm. The three graces. like ex- The Holy Trinity. Right. Like three just seems to be this very like balanced number. Um, and I, I don't know, I thought that that was kind of also um, just a callback to that, like, you know, magic. Um, so what you read, Bianca, that was
0: a quote from, like, Thomas De Quincey's, like, drug-induced
1: writings. Yes. Okay. The book of prose, yeah, Suspia de profundis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, like, what directly inspired Argento. Yeah. Um, in writing the characters, um, you know, writing the three mothers, it's it's amazing that Argento
0: made that jump. It's also amazing that then the jump that was made from the original to the the new one. Like that and then I'm like, wow, that really totally. inspired a really good story. Like going from one to the another to another, like that that evolution blows my mind, you know.
2: I think it's just amazing that Instead of just kind of doing like a scene by scene remake, I mean, it was like he really found a way to kind of just develop a whole, whole new story here.
0: Yeah, exactly. With little pieces Mm -hmm. that like, and especially seeing them back to back, you see the little pieces where it's paying homage um, to the original. But then I think also was very consciously like, we're going to make this. Different and better than the original, I think. I mean, the well, actually, the uh, the writer for it, because I know it was uh, Luca uh, Guadagnino that write that directed, yeah, the new Suspiria. But then it's David uh, Kajanik, I believe, is how you say his name, who was like the writer, mm-hmm. and he's also the writer on this show that I watched a while back called um, The Terror. But it's based on like a true story of like um, these ships that were sent into the Arctic uh, to explore. And then the ships get stuck in the ice for like a year. And so then it's literally like, and then there's some like supernatural stuff occurring, like in the Arctic around their boats um, and things like that. And it's really good. It's all men. So like, like it's literally, there's like one female character and it's, you know, so it's very interesting that like, I don't know. I feel like even though there's queer subtext in, these movies, I feel like there's not a lot of sex
1: at all. Yeah, there was a lot of like tension, but nothing happened.
0: As opposed to like a lot of other movies, there's often some sort of love interest or or something that get I mean, they tried to do it in the original where it's just the random like hot German guy that for like two seconds, like one of the girls is like, I think he likes you. And then Susie's like, Really? It was Olga. Yeah, and Olga says that. Yeah and then the guy like never comes back
2: (laughs) talk about making a jump i mean olga was the weirdest fucking character in the original one Mm -hmm. in her apartment that i was like i don't know who fucking decorated that apartment and then (laughs) has like the most iconic scene in in the new one i was like whoa way to take like a a Fucking random character from the original and give her like yeah, a whole new life. And, and I never realized that when I, I mean, I've seen, the, I'm telling you, I've seen the remake. This was probably like my 10th time seeing it. It's like a rainy day movie for me. I could just like put it on and watch it. And I never pieced together that that was Olga, like that, that hoe from the original. <laughs> and then when I watched them back to back, I was like, oh. Olga, I was like, "Whoa, what a way to like develop a character and give her something new to do!" Like that was crazy. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's really not. I I I would say. I mean, I think Miss Tanner in the original one is like a lesbian gym teacher that just happened to get a job at a ballet school. Um, but I think like in the new in the remake. I, I would say if there was any sexual tension, it would be between um, Madame Blanc and Susie.
1: Oh, for sure.
2: And that, But that's really it. It never goes anywhere. And is it really even sexual tension or is it kind of like uh, an understanding or something of like, I don't know, a passing on, a passing of the torch, mm. a developing relationship?
0: Mentor-mentee. Yeah, like a
2: mentor. I don't know. Um, but that's that's really it.
0: I like the idea that some of that connection between them could be that passing of the of the baton because it does turn out that that she's Mother Suspiria.
2: She's it. Do you
0: guys think that she? So we were talking about how like she, certain looks on her face sort of show us like, oh, maybe maybe she knows that she's Mother Suspiria. Do you think that she knew she was Mother Suspiria the whole time and then was just like using this as a way to get her powers back? Or do you think it's she's just reincarnated and had no idea? Like, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think the the latter for sure. And I think we got somewhat of a clue, um or like a foreshadowing whenever she has her first nightmare and she wakes, she like wakes up screaming, like, I know who I am or something like that. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was, that was like weird in the moment, but now that, you know, you, when you know the ending, you're like, oh wait, it makes so much sense. Um, I think that she knew something was off about herself um, just based on her upbringing and how she kind of was, like the black sheep of the mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. with like her mom and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely think that she knew something was up, but I don't think she knew she was the mother of size, you know, the mother of size.
2: <laughs> if, if you remember, um, there's that scene, it's a flashback to when she's a kid and they're like studying the map and she draws that line to Berlin and her sister is like, no, we're studying America. And she like keeps flipping the page over And so I think I agree. I think it's the latter. And I think that maybe there was this natural calling to Berlin that she didn't quite understand. Um, And then she got there. And then I think, I think through the witchcraft of dance and the conjuring that that dance created, I think it just awakened something in her um, where I think there, there's a scene where she's like, I know who I am. And I think what's really interesting is there are a couple of nightmare scenes, but then there becomes nightmare scenes where it's like, there's that dancing light in the background.
1: Yeah. I love that dancing light. Yeah.
2: I almost took that as like, once she finds out, when she says like, I know who I am, it's like, that's her light that that's like a protective light in a way like that is her magic where it's like, you can't give me those nightmares because I know who I am. And like, this is my, this is my protective shield. This is like my aura. This is my magic. Um, And it, and like, it literally follows her as she's walking down to the ceremony in the end. Um, So, yeah, I think it's the latter. I think she was just drawn to it. I don't think she never necessarily knew why, but then I think over time it, develops which maybe just comes to show like maybe there's a little witch in all of us something that's just very intrinsic and sort of very in touch with emotions and we just need that right that right kind of key to unlock it all yeah i like
0: that i feel like we need to talk about tilda swinton those
2: oh my god
1: <laughs> the fact that she can play three different characters
2: amazing i did not know that she was the the doctor in Uh, mother marcos until like way later and i read it and i was like what the fuck i mean god she's fucking awesome yeah i mean i was like it's like a gay like you talk about gays being attracted to witches i was like this is a gay man's like wet dream it's just like like striding across a room and like a floor-length gown then i even remember like in the scene where they do they finally perform bulk and she comes in and she has these like hot pink stiletto pumps on i was like god like bitch she's just getting it i i (laughs) love tilda in this movie i honey she (laughs) is the moment come on now but what were you gonna say Mm
0: -hmm. i was just gonna say this isn't the first time that we've uh talked about Tilda Swinton in a movie because we recently or recently isn't like a year ago did an episode on um, we need to talk about Kevin where she plays the mother.
2: Oh my God. So yeah.
0: obviously she has a, I don't know. She, she like, she's definitely when she makes these choices to be in films, she's definitely drawn to like the more like quieter horror sorts of movies. And we do argue that we need to talk about Kevin is a horror movie. Um, obviously Suspiria is too, but yeah, she's amazing. And, um, I also thought that they made the old man version. What was that character's name again? It's the, the doctor. He's. Yosef. Yeah. Yosef Klemperer. Right. He kind of looks like the doctor, the older doctor from the original movie. Like, so when I was watching Mm -hmm. the original, I was like, I see, you know, there's like the young hot doctor that Susie suddenly is talking to and he's like drinking a Coke and then, like, then yeah. there's the, uh, yeah, it was random. And then he's like, oh, how about you talk to my, my other doctor friend who's much older, my colleague who is into witches and stuff. And so it looked like I saw that guy and I was like, wow, he looks just like the, you know, Yosef. <laughs> um, but there is a real cameo, right, that happens in the second movie um, with Yosef uh wife that he lost yes. during um you know the war and everything like he sees her at the end um and the person playing her and this is like how the witches lure lure him to the ritual right because they need a witness and so he sees his his wife who he thought was long dead and then she you know appears and it's the actress that originally played um Susie in the first movie
2: Jessica Harper right
0: Mm -hmm. I think so yeah and I didn't notice it at first, but Bianca, when we were watching it, you were immediately like, that's
1: her. <laughs> like, that's mm-hmm. the girl. Yeah, her, her, I don't know. I feel like her face is just like very memorable. And so, although I haven't seen, I hadn't seen the the original in a long time, I was immediately like, oh, yeah, like that's her. You know? Mm-hmm. Did you guys know that she was fake?
2: I, well, I was just about to say that. I, I love that scene because there was a part of me that I wanted it to be real so bad. Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, there was, there, of course there was that voice in my head that was like, it can't be real. This is a movie about witches and, you know, uh, manipulation and blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it can't, it can't be real. But then there's so much emphasis. I felt like prior to that about how he lost his wife and about how he had been searching for her, that in a way I was like, this can't be, it didn't feel accidental. I was like, but maybe it really is real because he's talked so much about how he's looked for her. Like, maybe, maybe this is really it. Maybe like, maybe she's come back and and she's found them. And I wanted it to be real so bad. And then there was that moment where he's like talking to her and he turns around and she's gone. I was like, Fucking new life. yeah. Bitches got him. Those fucking witches. Those fucking witches, <laughs> and then they come out and they grab him.
0: But then mother, mother Sospiria makes it all better at the end and takes away his his memories, all of his memories. Takes away his memories of the night of witnessing the ritual. Takes away his memories of his wife, um, so that he doesn't. I think we, t- I guess we talked about that already, but this so that he doesn't suffer anymore. Like miss her, and yeah, and that. doesn't miss her anymore. Very like interesting ending for that Mm -hmm. you know like very interesting like i don't know i I mean i don't know what the message is beyond like showing that uh mother suspiria isn't all bad you know um but it was it was a i thought it like you kind of wanted to cry at the end you know and that doesn't happen in most horror movies most horror movies i'm not ready to like cry out of emotion and empathy for the characters. I mean,
1: I did cry. Did. I remember, Steph, you looked over and you were like, you were like, are you crying because you just yawned and you're tired? Or are you crying because of the movie? And I was like, "Of oh, the movie.
0: <laughs> I gave you the benefit of the doubt that you had just yawned and no, <laughs> you're
1: crying from the movie. No, I, I'm just a little bitch and I cry. <laughs>
2: all the- yeah, but I mean, it is, I think it is really sweet. But I, I think also too, I, you know, I don't know what the message is either. And a part of me kind of wants to like, Wants to say maybe it's just a message about the human condition in general and how we treat other humans because you know in in the ritual, Mother Suspiria, she she goes to those three girls who have clearly suffered. They have suffered just like Joseph has suffered, yeah. and she gives them an option and she says, "What do you want to do?" And they said, "I want death," and she grants it to them in, in a very peaceful way mm-hmm. and it's It's very humane, um, because what has been done to them is is very inhumane. And I think it's just sort of says a lot about like, you know, compassion for other people and compassion for for things that are suffering. And I think a lot of times in this world, we don't get the option to take away our pain and to take away our suffering. I mean, and especially with a character like like the doctor who's elder, I mean, I mean, we could go on forever and ever about how like our healthcare system basically kind of just like Mm -hmm. preys on elderly people and it like profits Mm -hmm. off of them. But in a way it's like, she came along and she's like, I want to have empathy and I want to have compassion. And this thing that's really afflicting you, like, I want to take it away and I want to make it better. And, um, you know, kind of like I touched on before how maybe there's like a little, little witch in all of us. I think that just comes to show, like, we have power to affect other people, and instead of saying instead of being are you a good witch or a bad witch and instead of being the bad witch she was like you know i'm going to use my power in the way that i connect with other people for good and i'm i'm going i'm gonna i'm gonna take the pain away
0: well it's kind of like that it is why it's that much more important that this takes place in germany and takes place you know Mm -hmm. in the 1980s like during the cold war but when they're, they still Germany, I think forever will always be reeling from the, the Holocaust, right? And this generational guilt of not treating people humanely, right? And so I don't know, I, I think that all goes together, like super well.
1: Yeah, I was about to, I was about to say, Steph, like, I think the, like, guilt is, I think, the the prominent thing here and maybe that's why there's this narrative right of of the doctor cuz i mean there was there was a moment where one of the witches i can't remember which one but one of the witches is like you could have you could have gone after her like you could have saved her mm. your 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 wife and yet you just let her go and like he i think is living with a lot of guilt and then there's like mm-hmm. the guilt of like um you know like maybe susie's mother like feeling like um you know, I brought something into this world that shouldn't have been in this world. Like she has this weird like complex with Susie. Yeah. Um, um maybe Susie has a has a guilt for, you know, leaving her life behind. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I think that there's a lot of guilt happening um in the narrative and I think it's kind of all stemming from what you're saying, like this generational guilt that seems to be like an umbrella over everything.
2: And and two. I don't know if you remember, but there's a very kind of brief discussion about, I think they talk about like the voting process and about the different approaches to like how the coven should be run. And like one approach was more radical and the other was like, you know, this coven could actually stand for something and it could, it could make change. And I feel that kind of speaks to maybe why um, Susie, when she manifests into Mother Suspiria makes those choices, and it's like you know, instead of going out into the world and creating more suffering and creating more sorrow and more pain, it was like I'm going to take this coven and I'm going to use our powers for good, and I'm going to sort of I'm going to rectify the pain that has been spreading through the world because of this war and because of guilt. Um, and so I, I, think about that scene and about the different approaches to how you can use power and about how you can affect other people. And, um, I think that is such a beautiful choice for her to make in the end of like, I'm actually going to use my power for good. And I'm, I'm going to turn this coven around and, and we can actually put like a positive spin on, on what we do. And it doesn't have to be necessarily about sucking the life out of other people for our own benefit and resources. Like we could maybe give back.
0: Yeah. I love that idea of, I hadn't ever put two and two together the idea of powers and power. Mm-hmm. The fact that there can be supernatural power, supernatural and Like in our world, you know, I don't I'm a skeptic, so I don't believe that there is actual, you know, supernatural power, at least based on my experience of the world. But like, I think that um, there's plenty of people with power that are not using it for good. You know, Uh, it's the same Mm, thing with, you know, in these in these stories, like the, you know, supernatural power can be used for good, just like in our world, it could be used for good if we make the right choices. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, the government, the government's a coven.
0: The it covenant. Is. It's a
2: coven of elected people who have power.
0: Yeah. Did you hear my joke? The Coven, Covenment, Covenment, Covenment.
2: Oh, the Covenment. There we go. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. the sequel. There you Come goes. on I was now. It like right <laughs> now.
0: Um, I don't know. Does anyone else have anything that they want to chat about before we wrap up? Like any other final
1: thoughts on Suspiria or covens
0: government
1: I just I just can't get over it like I've literally just been I mean obviously in preparation for this episode but I think it's just one of those movies that sticks with you even if you know you like the remake more than the original you like the original more than the remake either way the narrative is just so like off the page mm-hmm. you know what I mean Yeah um it's off the hook
0: with the hooks off the hook, <laughs> off the, hook, off the, hook. Off the-
1: The witch hook
2: off the witch (laughs) hook. hook. (laughs) It's off that witchy dick hook. (laughs) The
0: witchy dick hook. Final thoughts, Bryce? No,
2: I mean, I I feel like we like this was such kind of a dream come true in a way because I really I've never just sat down and like really broken this coconut open, you know what I mean, and like really (laughs) talked about it (laughs) in this kind of way.
0: Drank the juice?
2: I I haven't drank the juice. I haven't drank the Kool Aid. (laughs) The Kevin Kool-Aid, um, <laughs> The Potion. Oh, there it is. Um, oh. The Potion. It, it's a Kevin juice. Um, <laughs> Kevin but no, and I've I've, al- I've always wanted to. Like I've always wanted to just like really talk about this film and and all of its facets. I mean, I feel like this is a film like you could teach this film, like you could spend like, oh, sure. I, yeah. I feel like you could spend an entire semester talking about these two films and just uh, everything that goes into these two films. I mean, and I, I mean, we've only spent two hours on it, so we're barely just scratching the surface here, but um yeah, I mean, no, this was great. I felt like we talked about so much that I wanted to talk about and that's always been on my mind and that i just always wanted to sit down with other horror enthusiasts and,
1: yeah. Some horror horrors, some horror horrors, mm-hmm.
2: and get it going. Some basement girls.
1: Yeah, if you if you ever knew or wondered what it you know sounded like to be in a grad class with all three of us, <laughs> yeah, that this episode is basically it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so for everyone listening, look at me talking to the audience like I host this, but for <laughs> I mean for people listening, the three of us were in a grad class last semester, and I do feel like we were kind of the talkers in a way. And like, there were several, <laughs> the there were several moments where oh, truly like we, we were like the Charlie's angels of that <laughs> class. <Am> I <laughs> um, but I was like,
1: talk about three witches, talk
2: yeah. about the three mothers. And, um, and there were, there were so many times in that class where I really had to just stop myself and be like, I'm not going to talk because I've talked so much and this. I've already talked so much about what's going on here. I can't talk anymore. I'm going to like, I can't be that guy, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I felt like that was what we did. We were, we were good talkers. We have yeah. a lot to say. We have yeah. a lot of ideas. We've
1: got some big mouths. We
2: and do. Mouths to say. And you know, <laughs> let's face it. Uh, there are other people who, what they have to say, it's just not that interesting.
1: Oh, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say yeah. it, Bryce. I wasn't going to say it, but I
2: was I'm going to say it. I'm that bitch. I'm that yeah. girl.
0: <laughs> and this is why we had you on Bryce.
2: Cause I say it,
0: you say it, yeah. But also, what we would definitely need to have you on again.
2: I would love to be on again. I mean, this is this is my jam. So you know, uh, when whenever you guys want to bring me back, throw me a film. I'll watch it, and we'll get it going. We'll roll it up and smoke it. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll throw a Magnum on it, and we'll ride it. Oh, you know what I mean? Magnum on it. <laughs> Oh my gosh.
0: And just suck it. um, Segue. (laughs) Speaking of sucking, Bianca is (laughs) going to. Speaking of sucking, Bianca's going to suck some Jolly Rancher gummies (laughs) to end our uh, little episode. I guess you don't
2: suck those, you chew them. Uh I
1: have. Yes. So I have some. Oh my gosh, I'm only grabbing the yellow one. No.
2: Terrible. I also just want to say for the folks listening, we're looking at Bianca. Her her space is very suspicious. She has a very witchy, colorful light scheme going on. I mean, she understood the assignment and she came correct.
1: I did. I came and I came to show up. She did. You know, she <laughs> showed up. I came.
2: <laughs> I came. <laughs> Period.
1: Um, but yes, I have I have the Jolly Rancher gummies. I'm obsessed with them. I like my boyfriend's um a uh, dad gave some to him and then i just completely stole them <laughs> um, but anyways um but yeah so i'm going to be chewing on this so asmr hello can you hear that yeah. a
0: little bit not really
1: <laughs> and let me just make sure i smack it
2: you got to put some like lip gloss on or something
1: <laughs> lip smack oh, yeah, I, sh- <laughs> I
0: knew i knew that the jolly rancher like gummies would be a it would be a little hard to hear but I, you got it i think we got some of it what flavor was that was it blue raspberry uh blue raspberry yeah it's yeah perfect. very nice all right so so that's our one ritual speaking of rituals but then our final ritual is always that we
2: Please don't tell me you're going to poke my dick.
0: <laughs> that's
1: the, <laughs> yeah. That's for later Bryce. And then
2: the second okay. ritual is is we poke your dick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but
0: the way that we usually end is that we all three at the same time say bye so we would like for you to be part of that okay on three we say it so one two three bye Bye.
1: (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) good job Bryce